0: In my opinion, the years that are coming up are gonna be some of the best years that we've ever had in this industry. The opportunities are gonna be more than we've ever had. I'm very optimistic, generally, but what I see after 35 years of being in the business, I really see some huge opportunities for all of us to grow in profitability and volume and delight consumers and really have a lot of fun in this fun industry.
1: Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. In this episode, we're offering event highlights from the 2021 Consumer Goods Sales and Marketing Summit. Our goal is to bring you a concise summary so you can keep a pulse on the leading consumer industry trends. I'm Matt Gardner, here with my colleagues, John Dano, Paul Larson, and Sonny Neely, all of us part of SAP's consumer advisory practice. Stay tuned for highlights from interviews with leading executives across the consumer products industry. And why don't we just jump straight in? John, what really stood out to you this year at the CGSM Summit?
2: Hey, thanks, Matt. The CGSM event is really about connecting with people, right? And that was the value we saw just talking to so many different companies. And, and one of the things I found interesting was talking to a lot of traditional brick-and-mortar type consumer products companies have really gone full in to the e-commerce space, understanding the consumer demand for that channel. And even beyond that, as we got into one of our workshops and we were talking about new product innovation as an example, it really steered away from new product innovation and it was really more about digital innovation and consumer experience, e-commerce differentiation. So even in a trend of a conversation where it was supposed to be focused in one particular area, it really moved back into digital innovation and e-commerce and turned out to be a great conversation. That's an
1: interesting pivot to hear this move from product innovation to digital innovation, but that's the world we're in right now is it's like fixing one part of the supply chain in the way that things get all the way to the consumer, not just the physical logistics, but the logistics of them shopping and having a customer experience.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was literally new product development. It's not the priority, but that doesn't mean they weren't doing anything. It was just that they were focused on different digital capability to reach consumers and build brand loyalty, create brand awareness. So instead of modifying physical products, they were really investing the time in that capability along with making sure product was available, right? Speed to market and the availability of product was a massive theme that I saw as well.
1: Other insights on this, what stood out at this particular conference? Paul, any highlights from you?
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be on this podcast with my colleagues, John and Sonny. And I really miss being in person with all the attendees this year, but it was so great to be able to have this platform to engage. I can relate to what John's saying. I really saw the discussions going to the acceleration of consumer engagement. It wasn't about new products, like John had said. It was about how do I develop that relationship that all of a sudden I have. In years past, it was very difficult for some manufacturers that didn't have a direct selling organization to really start interacting with the consumer. But now, with the way things have changed with direct-to-consumer and the way consumers are purchasing their products in many different routes to market, It's opened up the intimacy level with manufacturers, with brands, and it's driving a whole new form of engagement. And you've really got to have some technology that differentiates yourself from your competition. It's got to be seamless, no matter what channel that you're having this conversation with the consumer, the way you're engaging them. And I really saw that as a key change from years past.
1: It's interesting to see, like you're saying, the direct-to-consumer, anything that hasn't been shored up there is a must now. And then I really love what you just said about the uniqueness. It's not just, oh, let me get up to par with everyone. It's how do I stand out in a context where everyone's doing basically the same thing. Thank you, Paul. Sonny, how about you? Any highlights from the conference? Yeah,
3: thanks a lot, guys. Always glad to, to join you, you all, and kind of recap here. Oh, it was a great conference. I was, you know, so glad to be a part of it, and you know, like I said, get getting a chance to interact with with customers. You know, I think one of the big takeaways was we had a lot of discussion about consumer intimacy, consumer sentiment. You know, and so much has changed about you know about consumers themselves and how we understand consumers. You know, there's all this new kinds of data that's coming in, whether it's e-commerce data, you know, ratings and reviews from marketplaces, social media. And a couple of the leaders in one of our workshops said, you know, they really feel overwhelmed. What do you do with all the data? You know, When you've got the data at the individual level, how do you distill it together and actually develop products and campaigns that are going to have a broad appeal? Another exactly in the same group talked about how there's chaos in the data place. They used the word chaos. And they said, we've got to find a way to to work with that. And, you know, it makes sense, but... It certainly also drives folks in the direction of how are you gathering the data, storing and presenting that data so that it can be accessed and leveraged so that you can distill it into intelligence and take action. So really an interesting time. And I think the whole idea of consumer sentiment distilled and then put into a form where it can be actionable and taken to market to make an impact,
1: I think was was my big takeaway. Yeah, thank you, Sonny. This really brings us into some of the other things we wanted to explore today, which is, were there specific strategies and tactics mentioned by top execs that you found interesting? And I'll just open it up to anyone who wants to speak on this.
2: Yeah, one thing I would say is that in talking to one company, they really talked about this hyper demand that they had gone through during the peak of COVID. And a lot of consumer products companies felt that they didn't they really have to spend money on trade like it was just stuff was on the shelf and it was flying off the shelf whether it was uh, physical or digital quite honestly and so this hyper demand but now they're starting to see that come down but during that period they acquired a significant amount of more consumers so now they're focused on what's the strategy to retain this new consumer set that joined the brand during this hyper demand phase And how do we keep them around and this one company had talked about digital products versus physical product innovation of creating a consumer experience around their brands in this case it was tools so do-it-yourself type tools and creating digital products such as training videos things to immerse the consumer inside of their brands and their products to get them to know how to use these products better which generates a certain sense of loyalty to and ownership against those those brands. So it was an interesting pivot to really focus on consumer experience type products to help reinforce how the consumer can use the brand, which was pretty cool. This is pretty interesting.
0: So one of the comments from one of the manufacturers was talking about their direct to consumer business. Basically the orders were, they're rolling in, right? They're coming in faster than they ever have and they're fulfilling the orders the best they can and as fast as they can. But at the end of the day, they want to make money and take a look at the profitability model when filling all this need, all this demand. And so it's opposite the way this industry's always run. It's, hey, let's look at the route to market. Let's look at the channel. Let's look at the consumer. Let's look at our price point. Let's look at how we're going to market. Roll that all up and that, and execute the program. That's changed. Now there's basically is a direct-to-consumer model that has to be there because that's where all the volume growth is, most of it. And then I need to fulfill that. I'm going to do that with whatever tools I have today. And oh, by the way, I need to go back and let's figure out what our margin is and how this business is really operating and impacting our bottom line. That's so different, but it's very real. Uh, So at the end game is that customers are... Really looking into the technology attack fast to understand how those new routes to market, specifically that new direct to consumer market, and the way they're fulfilling those orders affects the bottom line. So that was uh, really interesting to me. Well, yeah, I can hear the way that on the
1: tactical level and the strategic level, there's just this different way of framing the business out of necessity, really to get it all the way, like you're saying, back to margin, back to how are we profiting from these activities as whatever new arrangement of of a configuration of a business that we need. I'm curious, I know, Sonny, you attended a lot of sessions and just curious, did you see any highlights from the sessions that were offered at the conference?
3: Yeah. You know, one of the sessions I loved was ELF, the cosmetics company, ELF, eyes, lips, face. And there was just so much energy in this session. It was the CMO was there along with the chief digital officer. And the two of them had this great rapport, this great relationship. And that's something you don't see that often. Sometimes you'll see the strategy is not necessarily perfectly connected, you know, with how things are being executed, both at a at a marketing level and at a field level. So it was really cool to hear them interact. And the CMO talked about how. What are the two most important things to their success? Because let's face it, this company has been a really great success story, a growth story, a provocative brand that's not afraid to take risks and really had some great rewards for that. But they talked about, first of all, know yourself, know your consumer and what your consumer needs but also know your brand and its weaknesses understand what your strengths are you know where you need to be filling in the gaps and then don't be afraid to partner with other types of disruptors that want to dream big you know other people that have the same types of brand mission that you do you know and they talked about a couple of examples i think the the most interesting thing is they've just produced Actually, the day of the conference, they launched a long-form TikTok movie, you know, featuring their users that highlights their, uh, their products, you know, which I think is just so cutting-edge and so of the moment. You know, and, and they gave another example. I thought it was going to be a sad story. They said that they had been featured on Double Jeopardy, where some poor contestant didn't know what ELF, their company name, stood for. But they took it and turned it around and they made this big social media campaign out of it because they actually paid back the $8,000 that the poor guy lost for getting the question wrong in an ELF gift certificate. So these tactics, obviously we're talking about marketing tactics here, but you can see the direct link to their strategy. And how it's really nice to see that type of execution from top to bottom. So that was a pretty inspiring session. And it really just goes to show the breadth of the conference. You know, we had another other where we are talking about trade, finance, supply chain. But at the same time, we're talking about, you know, something is just pure brand management and, and creative development. So I was pretty inspired by that session.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard of that brand. That's fascinating to hear both the meaning of the term and just the way that they're pushing the edge and disrupting the major players in the market. Any other sessions, any other highlights from sessions anyone saw?
2: Yeah, this wasn't specifically in a session, this was in a conversation, but I thought it was a pretty cool story. I was talking to a t-shirt company and it does a lot of custom work and traditionally brick and mortar, but gotten into more of the digital space, specifically investing in capability to really understand the consumer sentiment that's going on. And what they discovered with a lot of this real-time response type information they started to get from their consumers is that... There was a lot of grave concern during the pandemic around the local stores, the mom and pop stores that were the avenue for them to acquire this product. And the company realized this is a lot of revenue that comes from these small businesses and they're in trouble. So they got this kind of insight and put together some fundraising campaigns to help these local stores survive focusing on Main Street, the smaller shops, and leveraging insights that they got from these immediate feedback tools to be able to gain the insights that this was a problem. So it's just a cool story to be able to see some real good work that was done leveraging digital insights to make a difference in many different small stores.
1: Yeah, I I can imagine that the one-on-one conversations had a lot of unique insights, and I know we can't always say who these companies are, but curious, any highlights from those conversations from anyone else?
0: Yeah, Matt, I've got one story worth repeating. You've heard us talk about the five compelling topics in the CEO's boardroom of consumer products companies, and that's growth, margin improvement, cash, people, and sustainability. This conversation was right in the middle of cash cash is king right so if you think about this year there are so many brands and let's take a skew right so you had a skew you had a trade promotion with your largest uh, retailer but guess what you couldn't get that skewed because of your supply chain issues with certain ingredients so those trade dollars that were tied to that skew went back into the bucket all that cash So we started talking about how, hey, I've got all this excess cash. I had it planned for a certain brand. I can't sell that brand because I don't have it. But the big question is, I really want to take that cash and I want to invest it in digital that can drive the same kind of volume that a trade promotion at a retailer would drive, but maybe it drives it in a different format, more of a marketing campaign than just an ad in-store type execution campaign. It can still drive in-store revenue with the retailer. So very interesting, very real. And how have you reallocated cash from trade into digital marketing? Paul, great point, because... There
3: is always going to be, you're going to see this trend about how can I spend on marketing? How can I use that cash that's accumulated and, and things that I can turn on a dime, a digital campaign and things that may not have that six or 12 month lead time for like a trade program or some type of retail execution. However, retail is always going to be with us. And one of the conversations we had in the consumer data side was consumer products, companies still face this data deficit against retailers. You might sell toothpaste, but a retailer sells 40,000 SKUs. That means they might have 40,000 times as much information as you do. How do you execute knowing that a retailer knows so much about his consumers? And this exact that I was talking to was like, I want to know what my retailer is thinking, what do consumers like about that retail experience? And I think it's going to really behoove consumer products companies to understand their consumers' needs in the context of the retail environment so that once they get there, they're going to choose their product. So I sound like a broken record here about just the necessity for gathering consumer data, first-party information, and getting a better
1: understanding that's going to benefit you and, and your retailers in the long run. Wow, Sonny, that makes a lot of sense. And I really love that as the takeaway for leaders making that a key focus of the business will really have a positive impact going into next year. John, Paul, I'm curious what insights you would have for consumer goods leaders with strategies they would wanna look at as they go into this next year.
2: Yeah, I think um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up this point. I know it's the sales and marketing summit, but there was definitely a strong theme around product availability and product quality, that, that you lose the consumer, if you don't have either one of those. So there was a lot of emphasis and conversation around suppliers, right? Expanding the supplier base, reaching out into smaller businesses to be able to, to fill the gaps from a supplier perspective because all of the cool stuff, the sexy stuff we've been talking about, it doesn't matter if you can't get it to the consumer. Thinking ahead, right? all the strategies that we've talked about here are absolutely relevant and that's what sh- people should be thinking, but. Always starts with making sure that you can get that product to the consumer in now, whatever way they're looking to receive that, whether that's physically on the shelf, whether that's the last 400 feet, that last mile, which is an aggressively growing model, whether it's click and collect, however it is, make sure that you get that product available to the consumer. Otherwise, that's the quickest way to lose them.
1: Thanks, John. Paul, how about you?
0: Yeah, final thoughts. I have two. The first one is really out to everyone is, in my opinion, the years that are coming up are going to be some of the best years that we've ever had in this industry. The opportunities are going to be more than we've ever had. I'm very optimistic generally, but what I see after 35 years of being in the business, I really see some huge opportunities for all of us to grow in profitability and volume and delight consumers and really have a lot of fun in this fun industry. And lastly, I think the word is to continue to explore new routes to market. But remember, you've got to have the right technology to pull that off. So those are my final words. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Paul. And thank you, John. And thank you, Sonny. This was just great to get to hear these highlights from the conference. And I just really appreciate you being on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Matt. This has been a blast. Uh, and uh, i hopefully do it again soon. Yeah, Matt. John, Sonny, been a pleasure and looking forward to the next one.
3: Thanks a lot, guys. Really great working we've done this and it's been a great conference.
1: In this podcast episode, we've unpacked insights from the 2021 Consumer Goods Sales and Marketing Summit. Though the event is over, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform to continue getting the latest consumer insights and connect with us on LinkedIn as we're here to support with the latest consumer industry challenges. Thanks again for tuning in and we look forward to sharing again with you in the future.